0: Our God is a missionary God, and we are his missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Well, we all know that God's mission does not change, but our methods for participating in God's mission do. And right now, uh, one of those key areas is short-term mission trips. Uh, So the question is, can we go to the nations without leaving our couch? Find out on the Scent Life podcast. On this episode of the Scent Life podcast, I'm joined by Larry McCrary. Uh, he is, uh, has many years of experience and just to let you know a little bit about him uh, and then i'll let him introduce himself more fully but larry is the co-founder uh, and the executive director for the upstream collective uh, the upstream collective is a nonprofit that that helps churches mobilize disciple send and care for those that they send out all over the world uh, which uh, fits right into the conversation that we're having Uh, about uh, missions but more specifically short-term missions. Uh, Larry's married to Susan and uh, she functions in the role of a TCK, Uh, if you're not sure what that is, third culture kid, uh, those living around the world, but she functions as a TCK educational consultant for expatriates living abroad, meaning living outside their home context. Uh, And so Larry and Susan, uh, they've lived in Europe uh, really for the better part of 20 years Uh, And so we're very excited to have uh, him on this episode of the Scent Life podcast as we discuss short-term missions, and particularly, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, this thing called virtual short-term mission trips. But before we jump into that, uh, Larry, uh, tell us a little bit more maybe about yourself and some of the work that you do uh, on a day-to-day basis. All right, thank you.
1: It is great to be on uh, today and just uh, excited about this topic. Um, yeah, so I've been a church planter pretty much since I've been in, in my early 20s. And so in the, in the 90s, I was planting churches in the States. And then in 2001, my wife and I went with the IMB to uh, Madrid, Spain. And we were there for about seven, eight years. Um, and then we moved to Germany. And then we did some more work with the, within Europe. And then later... Around 2015, we moved to Louisville, Kentucky, when I stepped away and be able to just focus fully on uh, the Upstream Collective. And so um, in Louisville, we were part of Sojourn Church, and I was an elder at Sojourn East and really helping them think through sending. And so that's really where kind of my two worlds kind of met again, being a pastor and also leading this nonprofit uh, called Upstream. And we're all about helping the local church. And we believe the Great Commission belongs to the local church and, and and not to be just recipients of the gospel, but participants in the Great Commission for all churches, not just the large ones or you know, the ones in the cities, but also the ones that are in rural places and under-resourced places and and really throughout the entire world. And so being able to do this in the context of Madrid, our team lives completely in the United States. So I'll do a lot of work in the afternoons Consulting and coaching and working with churches and, and thanks to what we're living in now with the COVID, doing a lot of things online in terms of training. Um, but we really love being able to do this in a context of, of another culture. And and part of our dream as we've been able to move over is how do we help the global church even become sending churches? So we are working with churches in the Philippines, in Ecuador, in Spain, and Italy, and it's just great to see some church planters and churches of the global church really wanting to learn how to send well. And so we're trying to figure that out. How do we help them? How do we contextualize it in a global setting? But primarily our work is amongst um, Uh, U.S. churches and trying to help them mobilize, identify, um, develop, send, and then also care for uh, their workers, their sent out ones. So um, when we were in Louisville, we created this thing called the Sending Church Elements. You can actually pick it up on our website at the Upstream Collective. But the Sending Church Elements looks like a chemistry um, periodic table. And and it's funny because when I handed that to our graphic arts person, uh, I failed chemistry in high school, had to take <laughs> it again. And then I took it in college and almost failed. So it was kind of ironic, but it, it really helped lay out what a good sending church would be. And I think as the church looks at how do they involve their entire congregation, mm-hmm. uh, some of that is short-term trips locally and and globally is a part of discipleship. It's a part of serving, um, you know, globally. And so we really very much believe in it in a a strategic sense. Um, But we had to, when we came to Louisville, it just made more sense as we talked about the sending church. When I started seeing it and started, you know, developing it at a local church context, it just really started flowing and we started seeing an increase of people being involved in mission at our church, instead of just really looking at developing that vocational missionary, how do we take it and look at it in a variety of ways from short-term, mid-term, long-term, marketplace workers, study abroad students, a variety of ways that a church can engage a place and a people and have an incarnational presence.
0: Yeah. Now that's fantastic. And I love that overview of, of the Upstream Collective, but uh, but where the church is central, and we resonate with that here, and, and again, we are God is ascending God. We are a sent people, uh, and he happens to send us through our churches, and so I appreciate what you and the Upstream Collective are doing, as you said, around the world. Now, you just mentioned a couple of things that, uh, that are really helpful in our conversation, this idea of, again, the world is different uh, today than it was two to two and a half months ago uh, because of this thing called COVID-19 uh, the coronavirus. We've had to uh, shape and, and shift a lot of things, even within the missions world, uh, and one of those is short-term mission trips. Uh, we're still in a season of, honestly, uncertainty uh, about what the future holds, uh, and and being from the U.S., which we've discussed a little bit, one of the, the methodologies and strategies that that we use quite often are these things called short-term mission trips, or sometimes uh, you hear them referred to as STMs, uh, just an abbreviation for short-term mission trips. Uh, but in this season, uh, as we uh, are grateful for technology, but I don't know about you, I'm I'm a little uh, zoomed and uh, Facetimed and everything else out. However, uh, one of the things uh, that I've begun to hear more about is this idea of virtual short-term missions. Uh, and you happen to have just recently hosted a virtual short-term mission trip. So uh, here's the question. First of all, what in the world is a short-term, a virtual short-term mission trip? And then how did you get to the point of really considering and putting feet to that consideration of a virtual short-term mission trip?
1: Yeah. So really, I mean, I guess you kind of the we'll add the virtual part. So it's really a short-term trip, but it's done virtually. It's remote. It's it's not something that you know it's live in person and you know, twenty-four-seven um, type of a short-term trip that we all often see. So as I mentioned, my wife and I both are consultants. We work here in in the city. Uh, we are part of different clubs or, uh, co-working spaces and find different ways to engage the city. And, but we, we have our day job, but we try to live super intentional as we go about our lives. So wherever we live, work and play, we'd be in that way. And one of the things that we've been able to do that we think that, you know, God in his providence has put these, this group of people together that are all marketplace people that. Are from all over the world, they love Jesus. They want to live intentional, and and they all live in our neighborhood. And so, as we kind of looked in our neighborhood where we live in 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 the, in the center of our city, we started figuring out, you know, okay, we, we're going we're doing prayer walking. We're finding different ways to engage, right? From prayer walking to being able to meet people, to joining different clubs and things to be able to be involved, and people at our work, and that sort of thing. And so, as we started putting that together you know, our end game here, we really want to see a church planted, a healthy church planted. Yeah. Uh, we don't know exactly when that's going to take place. We know that we have to plant the gospel. We need know we have to make disciples and, and see that church emerge. But the beginning point of that has been this missional community that that's, you know, come together with these people. And so we get together on a weekly basis and we pray and we worship, we do some liturgy. We pray for the people that we're connecting with. Uh, during the COVID. We've been obviously praying for a lot of people that we know that are sick, um, but we just really became really bonded together and kind of unified in purpose, and again, we don't know exactly how the Lord's going to use this or what it will look like, but in this missional community, we have, a, a you know, a couple of fellowships, churches back in the States that, that have partnered deeply with us. Mm -hmm. And we know that, um, in that, you know, we, we try to find ways that we can engage the church that we're partnering with. And as a field missionary for so many years, we're always thinking of, you know, strategy pieces, you know, what, what, what could that look like in terms of you know our presence on the field, but also how can we utilize people from our home fellowships to be a part strategically? Okay. And and so the very first part of that was to actually invite them over for a vision trip. And so we the pastor had been over here and had kind of walked the city and looked around and we met people, uh, got a feel for our you know area, and we were planning a mission trip for this um, summer around end of June, and then March hit in Madrid, and everything shut down, and so we had to, you know, cancel this particular trip, and so we were talking one day, and I actually lead a cohort of, of mission pastors, and we were talking as mission pastors as I'm leading this cohort about canceling this summer. What, the, what are their plans? What do they look, what's that looking like, and so I just said, well, why don't we try a virtual trip, and so I talked with our uh, mission pastor, the church, and we just, you know, kind of came up with it pretty much on the fly. We're talking about within a two-week notice, we pulled, wow. we did the entire trip, pulled it off, and debriefed it all within a two-week time period. So it was very fast. It was not perfect, but it really was just because we we needed to to see. We wanted to see the church have a greater involvement and we knew a key piece of that was getting it beyond just the pastor but to some other people in the church to cast that vision but we also knew we had some strategy pieces within what we feel like god has given us here that we wanted to do some connecting things that actually would help us in some outreach oriented um, events that we did so it's kind of a mixture of a trip but it just really came about because we really needed and wanted a greater participation with the, this local church.
0: No, that's great. I can't. Uh, two weeks. Wow. Anyway, we'll explore that in, in just a, a couple of minutes. But, but let me let me ask you this: Now that you've uh, not only proposed it, you uh, you hosted uh, a virtual short-term mission trip, and you've begun the debrief, or you've gone through the debrief process, uh, tell us first of all what are uh, in those lessons learned. Uh, what are some of the the positives that, that you saw uh, through your experience or as you reflect on that now? What are some positives uh, of a virtual short-term mission trip?
1: Yeah, you know, I like um, when I look at mission engagement overall, I often see people that are vocational missionaries or people living on the field as kind of running marathon runners. They're running kind of a long distance. And then I, I love seeing like study abroad students or maybe they're you know, some program that a mission organization may have that allows somebody to come over for three months to a year or something like that. It's more of a midterm, but then short term, they're kind of like the sprinters. So the midterm, they're running a 400 or 800. They can run a pretty fast pace, but the short term can sprint it out for two weeks or one week, and they can do a lot of things and, and do maybe some broad gospel seed sowing, you know, better and, and more efficiently than we can on the field uh, because they can just cover a gra- you know, great amount of space or they can put on a camp or they can do a variety of things or they can do missionary care. And so so I, look, I like to use that example because as we put together the trip and as we're kind of, especially now that we're looking back on it, we wanted to bring a greater awareness of our work And and needs to this church. We wanted to have a greater number of uh, people being involved to cast a vision to the church um, and also share with them our strategy. Um, We wanted to give them some very specific things um, that they could pray about. Um, every, every night at eight o'clock here, we're, you know, clapping out the windows. just kind of a sign of solidarity. And we did one of the, one of the sessions was actually people could sign up and we just held our phone out the window and literally showed everybody, you know, clapping. And then we're able to tell the story of how that happened and, and what's going on in the city and then praying for the city and, and the neighbors and the people that we know personally that are sick. And so it gave us kind of a know in, in a way, a real-time look at, at the, uh, for the participants. Um, we also have some things that we do here that we wanted some you know subject matter experts to speak into. And so they were able to actually connect with our group of people here that are not yet believers and be able to, to actually do some work for us um, for you know our engagement. We also planned, on some ways that we could involve some of our not yet believing friends here to be able to actually teach about culture because I think it's always best to learn culture from somebody that's actually from the culture. (laughs) And, and, and so we did coffee. We learned about tapas. We learned about history here and we did some fun things that would able it, it kind of, cast vision, but it gave these people an audience, and, and the people loved it, both the people at the fellowship, but also the people here that did that work, our friends, loved being able to share with other people about their country, and so it provided people, you know, more people in the church an opportunity to go that may not be able to go, and I think that's great, and so well, there's also a greater flexibility of scheduling, so we did not, in a short-term trip, you're pretty much 24 seven, eight o'clock in the morning or whatever, you're hitting uh, hitting the streets or doing the projects or whatnot, and you go all the way to the end end of the day and evening, and you're constantly with them or doing something, always feeling like you have to do, do something. But in a virtual trip, we really said, okay, these are the hours that we're gonna do this. And we had to adjust for time zone, and we did not do but maybe one or two hours a day. We did do five or six hours um, during you know over the course of a week and so we kind of planned it that way every day looking back we could do something that even in the debrief we're talking about doing some things maybe once a month or twice a month that we could do virtually that may not involve a lot of people but would involve maybe a few people in the church so those are some of the opportunities of it some of the challenges the time zone we did not have this but you do have to be careful with zoom hackers you- know and so password protect your meetings um, since it's free we do not charge so mm-hmm. since it's free you may have some people that sign up but not show up and then we just having to address security issues you know is, is something that you'd have to consider especially in certain parts of the world for sure and then slow internet sometimes that will just kill you with uh, you know bandwidth issues and then this stuff, honestly the pre-trip planning is crucial and just because it's a virtual trip, doesn't mean you can take shortcuts in planning. Right. And so it's important to 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 do the praying, the preparation, the planning, and even the debriefing and follow up is critical for a virtual trip, just as it would be a live trip. So those are some of the I think maybe lessons learned, some of the challenges that we had, um, you know, as we move
0: forward. No, that's uh, that's really really helpful, and and I like what you said there. Uh, towards the end that you can almost think because it's a virtual short-term mission trip, uh, it's only kind of those, uh, those hours that uh, I'm live online. Uh, again, whatever you're using, Google Hangout, Zoom, whatever. Uh, but it really is important, just the preparation and not just the details. I can imagine there might be more details getting ready for it, but but the prayer part uh, and just the, uh, the spiritual side of things and then the debrief. Uh, And I like what you said about some of the positives of just flexibility of participation. I really love this idea that there seems to be more direct and maybe even deeper connections, uh, or at least the ability to with a virtual short-term mission trip with uh, those that aren't believers yet or those that have expertise in other areas, whether it be culture or business. And so uh, it really allows, in some ways, uh, more people involved, uh, from the field side of things, but also from the team side of things, perhaps in the church. Um, so those are good. Yeah. And we made a, we
1: made a checklist as well. You know, here are the things that we would do and here are the things that, that... The, the mission pastor would do, and so it took work on both ends. I mean, we had to prep our people that we were doing. We had to do you know some prep and look what, what scheduling, what we what we would actually go over, and then he had to do the same in terms of setting up the calls and being able to um, you know get the participants and and promoting it out. And we, again, we did not have a long runway. It was very quick, and so we did not have enough time to really promote it. But we also were kind of in the heat of the lockdown at that time. Um, And so people, we had kind of a captured audience, if you will. And so we had that going, you know, a benefit. A downside was that they started coming out of the lockdown just a little bit about the time that the trip took place. We were not at all, but they were, and that affected maybe some of the, mm. you know, the sessions in terms of attendance, but we had enough people that showed up anyway for each one. So we would limit the attendees mm. for de- 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 depending on what we would do, but the debrief was just like we would do live and in person, we would always spend 15 minutes or so afterwards just you know, me and the, the mission pastor and just talk about the day, what that did, what it looks like, how do we make changes for tomorrow, just always kind of being a step ahead, so that we're, you know, prepared just as we would if we were, you know, sitting in a restaurant, you know, in, in our city.
0: Well, hey, we've been talking about virtual short-term mission trips, uh, hearing from Larry McCrary, Uh, with the Upstream Collective uh, from Madrid uh, has hosted a a virtual mission trip, short-term mission trip. Uh, We're going to pause briefly here. Uh, We've been hearing some about the positives and the challenges of a virtual STM, Uh, but as we come back, I want to dig just a little bit more uh, on some of those challenges, and then uh, we have a couple more questions. Thanks for listening to the Scent Life podcast. Uh, we partner uh, with a host of organizations, but one of the main ones that we partner with is the International Mission Board, the imb.org. You can go there to find out more information. Uh, again, they are uh, our partner among Southern Baptists to reach the nations. They really do believe that every church has a role in reaching every people in every nation. And so go to the imb.org, find out more how you can pray, how you can give and more importantly, how you can go and be a part of God's mission among the peoples and among all nations. So, Before uh, our break, uh, you were kind of talking through not only the positives, but some of the challenges of a virtual short-term mission trip. I know that you've written down some thoughts, uh, which I I think will be available at some point soon on the Upstream uh, Collective. But within your experience from that, one of the things you highlight as you kind of wrote down some of your thoughts on kind of creating and being a part of a virtual short-term mission trip, Uh, this idea of cost and commitment. And I know that's not all financial. I think that's a piece of it. So help us understand that just a bit more about cost and commitment. How that could be; those could be things to consider, and and perhaps drawbacks to a virtual uh, short-term mission trip. Yeah, I mean that's um, something
1: that I think we discovered, and probably to be honest, did not know until as we were doing it, and that's on me. But what we, you know, if you're going on a pre-field, I mean, on a on a trip, a traditional short-term trip, you're there's money that's involved. Um, there's, you know, you're paying for airline tickets and hotel and you're, you're, you know, and you're also investing your time. You're taking days off work or, or, you know, a week off of work, uh, you're investing preparation time. And so there's a pretty high in commitment to go on a short-term trip. Um, you know, if you're going to, from one place to another, a virtual trip may not have that type of commitment level. And so we were doing more, you know, in some of our cases, there were vision trips type of uh, experiences, the one hour of, like I mentioned before, the the prayer time, another hour just digging into strategy. and And some of those that we were kind of zeroing in on, we had people that signed up but did not show up. Now, so that can happen anytime you do something, you know, in the States and, and doing a church program. And so we kind of saw that same pattern. But when you do, you know, when you kind of take that and you think about it in terms of a short-term mission trip, you're kind of needing that commitment to be there. And so I think that's what we, we've been trying to think through is how do you up the level of commitment of the person that's coming? And mm-hmm. so even doing some pre-trip planning or meetings with the people would help that because they would be committing to, to come to some virtual meeting or some meeting there at the church with whoever the leader would be. Um, you know, So that prep time, that investment of time would be there. The other thing that we noticed was when we gave people you know, specific responsibilities for the call or the experience, it was 100% attendance and no problems at all with that. It was more of the ones wanting to come signing up. Hey, that sounds good. I want to sign up for this prayer walk. I want to sign up for this vision thing. I want to sign up to look at these tapas. Those are where we had kind of people that said yes, but they, something came up during the course of that.
0: Okay. No, that that's helpful. Just uh, even that idea of having uh, specific responsibilities and really, uh, again, this is all new. So, so thinking uh, kind of a bit differently, uh, while there's some overlap with I guess you could call it a traditional short-term mission trip. The virtual piece does add some some new elements. So so let me ask you this. If somebody is thinking about uh, either participating in or hosting a virtual short-term mission trip, uh, are there two or three things you might tell them, hey, uh, these are really important for you to think through and consider before either hosting or participating in a short-term mission trip?
1: I think it's important just as it would be if it was a regular short-term trip to, to be connected to the field partner and let it let the field partner really kind of take take some lead in okay here's what what we need this is our specific need so it could be some sort of missionary care it could be some sort of um, discipleship it could be you know we're also looking at one utilizing a professor with a group of church planters here in, in another part of our country and, and that professor being able to gather them virtually but be able to, to teach for you know, a few hours because she was not able to come over for the summer. So, there's, so I think there's some one-off things. I think you don't have to look at doing it every day for a week or two weeks you know, like maybe a short-term trip, but maybe get very precision oriented. Here's what I need. We have a, we want to do an art class. We want to do, learn how to make coffee. We want to do English, be very specific, the more specific field can be and and what's needed and see, set, then translate that over to the, your field, your, you know, stateside partner and find out what they mm-hmm. can provide. So we knew that they had some teachers. We knew that they had some ESL teachers we knew they had some business people we knew that they had some coffee people that sort of thing and that helped us you know link these together so we were very we were able to be very specific in some of our sessions of what we wanted and who we wanted to lead it and then that way that gave us a you know direct connection to them Um, so yeah field strategy really what's what's needed you know from the field and then what the church can provide and then you know good planning and praying and preparation on the part of the field worker as well as the the stateside you know mission leader.
0: Now that's really helpful especially that idea of I I like that term you use precision oriented. I think that's always true but maybe even more so as we think virtually. So uh, again this has been really helpful uh, not just information wise but uh, really, as we explore this whole area of virtual missions, particularly short-term missions. So let me ask you this to kind of to land the proverbial plane, as it were. Uh, again, we, we're not on those as much mm-hmm. right now. But uh, so do you think, uh, Larry, kind of a, in your experience, as, as you look forward, kind of forward thinking, do you think virtual uh, mission trips will be kind of standardized or at least a major part of strategy moving forward even after this pandemic season?
1: Yeah, if we have planes, right? So yeah, that's, yeah I remember those days, you used to be able to ride a plane. You know, it's kind of funny, as I was going through the trip, it just kind of made me think, you know, wow, I did not have to pick anybody up at the airport. I did not have to worry about lost luggage. I did not have to make sure they knew how to get around on public transportation. I did not worry about get them getting lost or not finding their way back to the hotel. I did not have to talk them out of eating American food while they're in my country. I did not you know all these different things and I thought wow that's pretty cool you know but all joking aside because that that's just part of it and and we love that on the field because the blessing that we often receive from having people come and engage in our work you know for a week or two far outweighs the cost of labor so to speak that it would I do not think it's going to be a replacement I mean if we're able to travel I think there's, you know, we're commanded to go. I mean, we're, you know, it's, it's part of our DNA. We're supposed to go. We can't just take, you know, we've had an interesting pause button. And I think there'll be a season as we come out of it and are allowed to travel that some people will not feel safe traveling. Mm -hmm. And so there could be kind of a short term right now. We're not able to midterm. It it could look like, wow, it's going to be hard maybe to get some people to go on trips. But long term, I think people will return and, and keep going on trips. But I think we would be you know, short-sighted if as field workers, as well as churches did not think, okay, how can virtual work be complementary to what our strategies are needed? Mm-hmm. And so for, you know, and I've seen some amazing things happen well outside of what we're doing, um, but just people, you know, doing missionary care or zooming the person in to the church because the church wants to see that their worker is okay. And and so this heightened sense of awareness and care Um, there's no reason why that cannot continue on. Being able to, you know, for business people, for them to take a week off of work is often hard. But if I'm able to get a business person to speak to a group of people here that I'm wanting to engage or I'm developing or discipling that are also business owners, being able to do that virtually makes a lot of sense now. Um, And so I think it's going to be a more of a complement of the short-term strategy opposed to replacing it. My hope will be that both field leaders will think, okay, are there virtual options here that can be helpful? And then for churches also to be kind of prepare and think, okay, are there some virtual things that we can do? to care for, to minister with, and to be able to help engage the people that we're trying to um, to look at. So the church that we work with, actually, uh, from this, they have decided, they have four other partners. They have decided that they're doing one of those for each of their partners. They're going to shorten it, make it maybe a two-hour thing on a Sunday night where they can just get the whole church to zoom in on it, but it's going to give them an opportunity to do that Um, And then, you know, we did not charge for the trip. And I think that's, at the end of the day, I probably still would not charge for the trip. I think that's another benefit because you're able to get people that could not normally maybe take a week off of work or afford to go, that sort of thing. And it just, it far outweighs maybe some of the other issues that you may have. So definitely a compliment in the future, I hope more people will try it. I'm sure people can do a much better job. Um, and yeah, and, and I think our um, that paper is up on our website now and so people can get that underneath the, the resource section.
0: That's fantastic, and, and again, I, I think you're right, uh, at least from here, uh, we'll see what happens in the future, but just this idea that technology has uh, allowed us to maybe think more creatively and, and do some different things. Uh, again, we don't want to overly rely at certain points, and, and you gave us some good, uh, even practical things in our conversation, but, but maybe moving forward in this realm of short-term missions, that the virtual short-term mission trip is a good complement, or at least an ongoing complement to, to what might already be happening. And so, again, Larry, uh, really do appreciate your time, uh, appreciate all your, your work that you do day in and day out, uh, in and through the upstream Collective. Thanks for uh, being a guinea pig of sorts for a virtual short-term mission trip and letting us uh, join in on that conversation. Uh, And and I will say, I think uh, you've helped us really uh, uncover some potential drawbacks, but also positives and and some, some kind of conversation points moving forward. I will say this. I was in Madrid a couple of years ago, and the one thing that technology can't replace is coffee and tapas. So. Yes,
1: correct. That is that is so true. We try to recreate that virtually, but it's just hard to replace. You need to be here. That's right.
0: Well, hey, thanks again for uh, joining us and our listeners on the Scent Life podcast, and uh, we look forward to to future conversations. All right. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. And so you've been listening to a conversation uh, with Larry McCrary of the Upstream Collective as we've discussed virtual mission trips uh, because even though uh, God's mission doesn't change, sometimes our methods do. And right now we're considering what it means to participate uh, among the nations. Uh, and so I want to pray uh, for uh, God's mission to go forward and for Larry and his ministry. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we do thank you uh, that you Uh, You are sovereign and you are good, and that even though we find ourselves in changing uh, times and and facing things that we hadn't planned, honestly, at the beginning uh, of this year, Lord, uh, that your mission still moves forward. Uh, And as we consider new methods, uh, even virtual methods like virtual short-term mission trips, would you give us wisdom, Lord God? Would we not simply ask the question of what works, but what is best, uh, and in light of that, I do uh, thank you for and pray for Larry uh, and his family, uh, for his, his ministry and his location right now, but also his work with the Upstream Collective uh, as they continue to walk alongside local churches, uh, equipping them to not only send, uh, but to care for those that they send out well. Uh, And so, Lord, we continue to pray blessings on them. Thank you for the time today, and we look forward to opportunities down the road where we can come alongside one another and continue to pursue God's mission uh, among the nations. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.